You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hello there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 24 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from SheepSpot.com, where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make them into beautiful yarns. So today, we are wrapping up the two-part series about my spinning gear. I'm going to tell you about everything I use to make yarn that isn't a spinning wheel or spindle, my plying tools, my skein management tools, my record-keeping and labeling system, and what I use for fiber prep. Now, speaking of record keeping, the freebie for this episode is a PDF of the record card that I designed and use myself to keep track of all my hand spinning projects. These cards are five and a half by eight and a half inches, so they're half of a standard eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. On one side, you've got room to record everything about the fiber, what it is, where you got it, how much it costs, how much of it you have by weight, uh, the colorway name, the dyeing information. If you dye it yourself, you can put in dye recipes. And there's also some space for preparation information. On the other side, there is room for all your spinning information when you spun the yarn, which wheel or spindle you used, the ratio, the drafting method, your plying ratio and count, the number of plies, finished yardage, finishing method, as well as all the measurements that we talked about last week in the, um, sorry, not last week, two weeks ago in the default yarn episode. So, wraps per inch, twist angle, uh, twist per inch, and grist. There's also space to record what you made out of the yarn. And uh, there is there are designated spots for you to keep uh, samples of your singles, samples of your unfinished yarn, and samples of your washed and finished yarn. And I find that... Keeping good records has been really, really important to my own progress as a spinner. And I love having all the information I need to reproduce a yarn that I've already spun right on the card. Uh, They're a really important part of my toolkit, and I really hope that they will be useful for you as well. So you can download the PDF and print out as many copies as you want on cardstock or have a print shop do it for you. The PDF is free when you join my email list. If you're already on my list, a link will be provided in this week's email. So let's talk spinning gear that is not exactly spinning gear. So let's talk about plying first. Lazy Kates. Lazy Kates are a tough one for me because my absolute favorite Lazy Kate is no longer available. And it was made by CJ Coho, who's a 
fellow dyer. And uh, I believe that her husband made them and she was marketing them through her own Etsy shop. And it's just a big hunk of wood, keeps my bobbins tilted back at a 45 degree angle, which means I don't have to worry about any kind of tensioning string. And it's so big and heavy. It's a really substantial Lazy Kate that I can really yank on that thing and it's not going to move. Uh, so I wish that I could tell you that you could get one of these fantastic things for yourself, but alas, I cannot. Um, I really, really like to have my bobbins at a 45 degree angle. I really do not like to fuss with ten tensioning strings. So my other Lazy Kate, and this is the one I keep at the studio, is actually a, a Lazy Kate designed by Will Taylor for Judith McKenzie. And I act, I have one of Will Taylor's versions of this Kate. I think his production has now, he's handed it off to Clemus and Clemus, and they're now producing this, this Kate. Uh, it's much smaller. It's much lighter. It's designed to be a portable Kate. It has room for three bobbins and it holds them at a lovely 45 degree angle for tensioning. And I like it just fine, but I don't like it as much as my big, heavy, you know, could knock somebody out with this Lazy Kate that I got from CJ Coho. Uh, I have tried actually using the Lazy Kate that came with my Lendrum, uh, not particularly impressed with that. It is a flat Lazy Kate, so it doesn't have the 45 degree angle. And generally, so that Kate is at the studio with that wheel. And generally, I use the Will Taylor Kate when I'm, when I'm plying there. Let's talk about skein management, shall we? My Nitty Naughty is the best Nitty Naughty ever. It was made by Schacht. It cost a pretty penny, but it was worth every cent. And every single time I use it, I think about how much I love it. So this Nitty Naughty um, actually comes apart. So it's a aluminum shaft with two wooden ends and it snaps together. So it's, um, it takes up, you can take it apart so that it will be flat for travel. It's also extremely lightweight and you put it together. There are two settings. You can set it up as a one yard Nitty Naughty or two yard Nitty Naughty. It has a padded handle that's super comfortable to use and I adore it. I have another tiny little Kate, wooden Kate that I, um, that I bought at the spinning loft years ago. And I use that for sampling and I keep that at the studio. Uh, and I have an old Kromsky Nitty Naughty that I uh, also keep at the studio and use when I'm giving lessons, but, um, I love my Shack Nitty Naughty. And as soon as I can scrape together the pennies, I'm going to get myself another one for the studio. Best Nitty Naughty ever. Okay. Also, Tyvek wristbands, which you can get, you can order them online. They're just those um, thin, narrow, thin and narrow, <laughs> thin and narrow um, strips of Tyvek with 
uh, adhesive on one end so that you can write on them with a Sharpie and record information about your skein, what it is, um, what the fiber is, what the colorway is if you want, and the number of yards and just put it around your skein. You can do that as soon as you take your skein off your knitting knotty, even before you wash it, because these Tyvek wristbands will go through the wash just fine. And then your skein is labeled and you don't have to worry about trying to remember what it is. So that is a very uh, important part bit of kit for me. And I, uh, it works really, really well. I also have the most exp- in the most inexpensive ball winder and the most inexpensive umbrella swift that I use for uh, going from winding skeins into cakes. And I bought them, oh, a million years ago, and they have held up perfectly well. And I've used them a good amount. They've held up perfectly well. They're not the most beautiful objects in the world, but they're small, they're lightweight, they're easy to store, and they do the job. So uh, I didn't spend a lot of money on my ball winder and Swift, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because these have really done the job for me. I use Eucalan for washing all my skeins. I use the lavender scented one because I like that one. Um, I'm not a big soak fan. Uh, I like the eucalyptus because it's got a little bit of lanolin in it. And I just like the scents of the eucalyptus much better than the scents of the soak. So that's my preference. Um, and then the spinning record cards that I use to keep track of all the yarns that I spin. Uh, so those are all the things that I use to manage the yarn uh, from the time it comes off the bobbin until it's in a skein and it's being stored, waiting for me to get to use it. Let's talk fiber prep. My first drum carter was a Strouch, and I still don't know how to pronounce that name, um, but I'm doing my best, my, I'm making my best effort, um, was a Strouch Petite drum carter, which I had for many, many years. There were things that I liked about it and things that I didn't like about it. Uh, I liked the size of it because it does not take up a huge amount of storage space. The downside of it is obviously that you you can only do very small bats, about one, o- one ounce at a time. Um, I Now that I have a different drum carter made by different people, I, um, I can see that I really wasn't getting great results from the Strouch. Many people do. Many people love those drum carters. Um, but I have a new drum carter, at least a new to me drum carter. I bought it used, um, which is a Clemmis and Clemmis Elite Crankless drum carter, which is a 
an electric drum carter. And I bought, I sought out this used drum carter because I had seen Roy and Henry Clemens demo this drum carter at a couple of fiber festivals on the West Coast. And I was absolutely floored by what it does to fiber, uh, especially fiber that is that starts out as um, in the lock form, so just washed. It does a really, really nice job in one or two passes. And for me, at least, um, and I'm not someone who does a huge amount of drum carding, but I do some, um, it would take me, you know, four passes to do with the stretch. Um, so it just produces these really lovely, airy, smooth bats that um, I'm actually going to be bringing some bats into the sheep spot shop. And I think it just does a really, really beautiful job and it's a joy to use. So if you are thinking about a drum carter, well, two things. One is if you possibly get a chance to take Roy and Henry's drum carding class, uh, they're offering it at a bunch of festivals now. I think they were just at uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm not sure whether they're at Maryland right now, but they were at Playaway. They go to Madrona. They go to Lambtown, um, a bunch of events on the West Coast, since that's where they're located. Uh, I hear marvelous things about that class. I haven't taken it myself, but I very much want to. And if you're thinking about a drum carter, you don't have to get the super fancy electric one. And one thing that's really nice about their their non-electric drum carters is that they can be converted later to uh, an electric version. So you can kind of add on an electric motor. Uh, so if you want to eventually end up with a an electric carter, but you're not ready to go there yet, there's a there's kind of a nice upgrade process that you can do with that. So I could not be happier with mine. I absolutely love it. I have two sets of hand cards. I have uh, the shacked fine wool cards. Uh, I have the curved version. Those are 112 TPI, and they're really nice for fine wools. They work well with silk. They work well with the down fibers. I think they're really nice set of cards, and I'm glad that I got the finer ones first. This year, my husband for Christmas gave me some Clemis and Clemis curved back uh, wool carders, cards, and those are 72 TPI, so I use those for slightly coarser wools. It's a really nice luxury to be able to have both sets. But I would say, um, you know, think about what you're going to be carding. And if you are mostly a person who enjoys working with fine wools, then I, I think the shacked ones are really lovely. If you um, work mostly with stronger wools than the Clemens and Clemens, but they're both really, really nice. They have lovely, comfortable handles. I have a couple of flick carters. One of them, I don't, I, uh, I never really liked it that much, and I don't remember who made it. The one that I settled on that I really like the best is the Ashford. I find it 
by far the most comfortable in my hand. It's one of the smaller ones. So it's, you know, prepping is going to take you maybe a wee bit more time, but really it is very, very counterproductive to try to load up your flick carter with huge locks. It's always, you'll get a much nicer result if you slow down and do smaller amounts at a time. And ask me how I know. In terms of combs, I have two sets of hand combs, and I also have a stationary comb and a, and a large two-pitch comb that, that I use with it. So the two sets of hand combs I have are the Blue Mountain Handcrafts two-pitch hand combs, which I absolutely love. And I talked about them in the prep episode. Uh, I really, really love them. They're extremely well-made and they're really worth the price. I mean, all combs are pretty expensive. Um, these are made by one person and he takes real pride in his work. And he, and as I say, they're really, really well-made, very comfortable in my hands. I also have their two-pitch comb and and hackle set. And this is a small hackle. So it's about maybe six inches wide. Um, it comes with clamps, so you can clamp it to your table. And it also comes with a large, uh, long-handled two-pitch comb. And so I use it as a, the hackle is the stationary comb. And then um, the one that isn't attached to the table, you you use to take the fiber on and um, off the hackle. That's what I use when I'm doing a whole fleece, when I'm really going to be doing lots and lots and lots of combing in a short amount of time. And I've combed whole fleeces with it, and it's really a really nice set of tools. And just to round out the Blue Mountain Handcrafts section of this podcast, I also have one of their blending hackles, which I use when I'm trying to um, get some sort of specific color effect that I need a hackle for. And then last but not least, I have my Valkyrie double row extra fine combs. And these, I they produce a really beautiful result. So if you're working with a very, very fine fleece, the, um, the tines are super close together. So you really want to be using this for a fine fleece. I don't love the handles. I don't find them uh, comfortable to hold for long periods of time, or at least not as comfortable as the Blue Mountain uh, hand combs, whose tines are considerably uh, farther apart. So not as good for super fine fleeces. It's really nice to have both. Um, But the Valkyries, I probably... I wouldn't buy another set of Valkyries because of the handle. Uh, also, the teeth, the tines of the Valkyries are super sharp, and they're really sharper than I think they need to be. Um, so that's another thing I don't love about them. But as I say, for certain fleeces, especially very fine, very dirty fleeces, they're really wonderful. They do a really great job.
So uh, that is it for me this week. I am going to be on Instagram Live on Wednesday, May 16th. So if you're listening to this podcast right when it comes out, uh, that would be next Wednesday for you. Uh, I will be on Instagram Live at 6.30, and I'm going to show you all these wonderful tools that I talked about today so that you can have a look at them, ask questions about them if you would like I would love to have you join me. Uh, And if you can't be there at 6.30 Eastern on Wednesday, May 16th, the broadcast will be available in my Instagram stories for 24 hours, after which it goes away forever. Um, I'm kind of loving the ephemeral nature of Instagram Live. So, you know, people can see it if they catch it within 24 hours. And if not, it just goes off into the the memory of the internet. All right, guys, thank you for listening. I will see you next week. In the meantime, dudes, go spin something. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. (music) 